0: This week on the Back Table podcast. Staying in our lanes of ICIR and va- vascular is just very unhealthy and very not unproductive for serving our communities, for serving our patients, and frankly, for serving our profession. And so, the, the better ways that we can align is really critical. And so, I think. You know the crux of this is it's the turf battles and the business wars right we we all want to have our our areas and you know we all want to you know maintain our our practice and, and it comes down to economics and i think that's where when you can find a model where we're all on the same team and we all benefit then you can say oh yeah what's right for our patients our community is right for us economically as well is right for us in our skill set and our skill level
1: Hello everyone and welcome to the Backtable Podcast, your source for all things interventional and endovascular. You can find all previous episodes of our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and on Backtable.com. First, a brief message from our sponsor.
2: One of the biggest challenges clinicians face is not related to devices or techniques, it's the workflow. For conditions like aortic emergency, PE, and stroke, outcomes are impacted because it takes too long for treatment decisions to be made and for patients to receive therapy. Viz AI leverages artificial intelligence to coordinate care and improve workflow, and is trusted in over 1,000 hospitals across the US and in Europe. The platform uses AI to detect disease, provide access to high-fidelity imaging and patient information, and allows you to communicate securely through the HIPAA-compliant communication tool conveniently on your phone, desktop, or within the radiology workstation. No more asking the ED to send you a grainy picture or making countless phone calls to activate your Teams. Visit viz.ai to learn more. Boston Scientific can help you advance, connect, and equip your practice with NextLab. NextLab is a suite of solutions and partnerships tailored to meet the needs of your OBL or cardiovascular ASC. NextLab goes beyond Boston Scientific's medical devices to provide ways to reduce expenses and increase efficiencies in your business so you can focus on patient care. Whether you have an established lab or you're thinking about opening one, Boston Scientific can help. Visit bostonscientific.com forward slash next lab. And now back to the show.
1: Today, we have a very special episode discussing the collaborative vascular surgery IR practice. We've previously discussed practice styles and structures on on prior episodes, including you know, the pros and cons of the traditional IR, DR practice, the strictly OBL or OBO asc practice, and we've even had uh, on, on prior episodes, episodes 20, uh, 129 and two hundred five, with Jim Melton and Blake Parsons, talking about these combination vascular surgery and IR practices. While they're still rare out there, we I, I do like to um, examine them and see you know why they're successful, how they've been successful, and, to, and so today I'm I'm really lucky to be joined by uh, interventional radiologist Neil Corona and vascular surgeon Chad Lorich about their partnership in practice, how they met, how it works, and their vision of a more collaborative approach to the end vascular specialties. Welcome, guys.
3: Thanks, Aaron. Nice to be here. Yeah, thanks for having
1: us. Yeah, so before we get started, I just want to do a quick intro, and we'll start with you, Chad, kind of where you're trained, how long you've been in practice, and where you're at today.
0: Yeah, so I'm originally from Minneapolis uh, and went to medical school there. Ended up going to uh, University of Iowa for general surgery in vascular. I did the 5-2 program with the two-year vascular fellowship. We didn't know about basketball before i went to iowa and uh just fell in love with it there and those guys were fantastic uh still have tons of gratitude to my mentors uh from iowa and so that's where i did most of my basketball training thought i'd stay in academics i was an upper midwest guy a big 10 guy i thought i'd stay in academics and, and sort of kicking around that and then through contacts with reps and some others i got connected with uh, a practice in sioux Falls, south dakota which uh, i thought i'd never live in the dakotas but uh it's it turned out to be fantastic the level of care they were they were doing was phenomenal and, and ended up um switching my plans and and um going into practice there and that led to us uh coming out into our own practice here about uh four years ago now this summer and uh, that's how we kind of got to to our current practice
1: great thanks for that neil
3: tell us about your your journey to where you are today sure so i'm a chicago guy and uh trained there at rush university Um, learned on my PVD from Buell Arslan and, uh, Turba and practiced there for three years. And, uh, I think we'll get into the story of how me and Chad met, but, uh, joined Chad three years ago here in Dakota Dunes, South Dakota.
1: So, um, Chad, how many people are in your practice? When you started it, it sounds like Neil joined a little bit later, but when you started it, was it just you solo or were you with another vascular surgeon?
0: Yeah, it was just me solo. So um, I'm about an hour south uh, geographically from where I practiced for seven solid years and had a real large practice there. We knew the need. And actually, I went nationwide and and was thinking about stepping out of the hospital employed model to to, uh, have my own practice with an outpatient center and traveled the country, uh, went around to a lot of different sites, did a lot of research on different markets, and turned out there's a phenomenal market, phenomenal need uh, just an hour south of us. So that's how I ended up coming down here. So I had a bit of a reputation and, and whatnot in the region, which helped. And then I uh, just kind of did some research on the market, found some found some friends with, there was a phenomenal general surgery group in town that was super helpful. And um, ended up kind of dovetailing with them on clinic and then opening our outpatient center and really got connected with the hospitals in town. And that's how I got started. And that lasted for um, not even a year, uh, just a few months. And I'm like, okay, we're gonna need some some help here. so we can get into that story too, how Neil and I came together and, and where our practice is at now. Now the, the market, I think, needs two intervention radiologists and two vascular surgeons. I think if we have four strong guys, that's going to really serve our market well. And that's, that's really what it comes down to. We can talk about that a little bit more too and kind of what motivates us and how we think about our practice. But it's really about the need. It's about our outcomes. It's about the, the, the community. And, uh, but, but I think that's where our practice is at and, and where we're going to fly. So walking. I don't know if
1: I caught it. So is it just the two of you or do you have another vascular surgery colleague in the group as well?
0: So currently we've got Neil and one, uh, or currently it's, it's, uh, uh, yeah. Neil and myself. We are actively looking for an interventional radiologist and actively looking for another vascular surgeon. So, uh, we didn't talk about plugs no, or anything that's like great. that, but Plug <laughs> away. Yeah, yeah. as we get into it, I think we're at that point in our practice where we've kind of had the philosophy of, of we're both a little, you know, we both love to work and engage in our work, but we really are looking for the right fit, the right guy who's gonna fit uh, with their, kind of their ethos as far as our ethos is put the patient first and do what's right for the patient in every situation. And then also professionally, you know, we've got a very much a gratitude collaborative type of mentality and that, that kind of spirit of, of, pr- of practice and professionalism among us, I think which we'll get into throughout the hours is really important, so we're looking for for the
3: for 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 additional IR and additional vascular surgeon like that.
1: Neil, let's jump into the story about how you guys met.
3: Yeah, so I was uh, in Chicago, like I said, I was with VIR Chicago, uh, excellent group out there, and they kind of laid the groundwork for where I wanted to head professionally. You know, they had a very clinical practice model with three clinics uh, covering six hospitals. You know, there were nine nine ARs and six advanced practice providers so coming from training and, and getting into a practice like that really opened my eyes on on what ir should be you know the whole we all talk about the clinical model of ir and as much as we all talk about it um you have to see it in in real life it was quite inspiring actually so uh, i was at dinner with uh, uh, industry basically just chatting about business and stuff and uh, uh my rep for this company said hey you know what there's a uh a vascular surgeon out in sioux city iowa slash dakota dune south dakota who's looking to team up with an ir and i said oh that you know that's interesting and i said "Oh, i should put you guys in touch and i said you know i wasn't really looking and uh so i just kind of kept it in my back pocket and didn't think about it and a couple weeks later i i said i'll do do, due diligence and uh, give chad a phone call um it's always interesting to hear what people are developing and just to learn for what people are looking for and where the market's headed and, uh, what I thought would be a 10 minute phone call ended up being like an hour and a half phone date. <laughs> so, uh, we like, yeah, we, we it out for like a good hour and a half talking about, you know, pedal access and CLI. And, uh, it was really just refreshing to talk to a vascular surgeon. Now, mind you, I'm only three years out of training, so I wasn't tainted yet. Uh, as far as the, the sandbox playing in the same sandbox and the whole turf wars, but it was just really refreshing just talking to somebody who, um, immediately saw me as a colleague, saw me as a clinical equal, um, you know, spoke to me with, with uh, respecting my field basically beyond PVD, you know, just saying, I think, Chad, you can mention about how you had a little IR exposure in your training as well and probably set the stage for our collaboration. But uh, yeah, so after that phone call, it was basically I had to come see what he was doing out here. And um, what really picked my interest as well is obviously the uh, office-based lab. And uh, how we developed that and really what it looked like. And I uh, came out here and it was pretty much a done deal after I saw the potential, um, the lack of IR in the area. There's probably not another IR who's doing, you know, oncology within 80 miles from here. I mean, Omaha and Sioux Falls are kind of where the next place to go is. And so, you know, you see this massive community without proper IR so I knew I would be busy. I knew I could be autonomous. I knew I would have support, uh, from Chad. Um, he also has incredible, you know, business acumen as well. And so I know he wouldn't steer us wrong as far as, um, you know, financials and how to kind of be successful from that end. It was all in all just like, a. Uh, I was like, this is a diamond in the rough, you know, nowadays private practice around the U S is, you know, it's all getting eaten up by conglomerates and, and larger, um, healthcare models. And so I thought, you know, my dad's a physician and he was private practice. And, um, I said, this is what I want to do. Like, this was my calling. So yeah, um, that, that's about it. So, so Chad, from your viewpoint,
1: what, with this conversation with Neil, what, what did you see as the opportunity here? I mean, this is very progressive, right? This is very kind of open-minded of you to like to, to think about bringing in a different specialist, uh, as part of your group. So tell us what your mindset was.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So when I was at University of Iowa, um, there was a really unique uh guy there, Mel Sheriffin, who's still practicing and just a, just an awesome human being. He uh was uh actually the head of interventional radiology for a period of time as a young guy, as a young IR, really talented. He came back and did a full uh general surgery vascular track. And he was a couple years ahead of me in training when I was a resident. So when I became a fellow, he was like a second year onto you know, third year staff. And so it was awesome to have um, uh, IR fully IR trained, fully vascular surgery trained staff. Now, mind you, they had uh, I had phenomenal other guys with John Sharp and, and uh Jamal Habala and Tim Kreswick and Rachel Nicholson, just phenomenal people who were um, really proud of a, a great breadth of vascular surgery. But there was this unique uh, perspective with interventional radiology when I was training uh, at those key years, and we would we were welcome in IR as vascular fellows, and and vice versa. You know, the, there's a IR attending who was doing crowded standing at the time, she would like just do special sessions with us and was really generous. So there was that nice collaboration that I experienced the benefit of as, as a young pup, so to speak. And so that, that, that never left me when I was in, uh, Sioux city and Dakota Dunes, then opening the practice just a few months in, like I said, it was very clear that we, we I needed some help because the volume of work was going to be uh, really high. And there is a huge need for interventional radiology in our town. So when I came down in open practice, honestly, I didn't have in my mind that I was going to, like that wasn't part of the original game plan and format is, is to have a, a combined group. But it became very clear about six months in, maybe not even that far, that there was a massive need in our town that there and the breadth of skill that a high level intervention radiologist would add to our town would complement and go far beyond what I'd be able to do or what another vascular surgeon would able to be able to do. So when I was, you know, I started putting the feelers out there and started really thinking about it. And then uh, things aren't random, you know? So when you really start to go down these roads and you think, oh well, man, this would be phenomenal. Um, a conversation leads to another, leads to a conversation with uh, a rep with Neil out in Chicago, leads to us being on the phone. And then like a few minutes in, it's like, well, did, did I just meet my new best friend? You know, yeah. kind of like stepbrothers. And we're like, okay, okay. So we, we saw very, very, very much eye to eye. And there was uh, just a mutual respect and mutual sameness about our mission. And I think and how we saw our, our practices and, and saw life. So all those things helped a lot to get us established. And now where we're at right now, it's it's a lot of it's come to fruition and it's really satisfying. I mean, honestly, the, the, the level of care and uh, drive and just just passion that, that Neil brings to the community is I mean, there's just it's phenomenal. Like like what has been done in this community for this underserved community now, and, and the skill that he does and, and, and brings, and the difference he's made is just really it's really humbling to see for me to see, and it, it really inspires me to do better on my side of the my side of the uh, of the practice too.
1: So, Chad, you mentioned that you'd met Jim Melton before, and we talked about how Jim and and Blake have a similar collaborative practice down in Oklahoma. Was that before you'd consider bringing
0: on Neil uh, that you had met Jim? It was so when I said when I traveled around um, before I opened the practice, I traveled around. One of those places was was in Oklahoma City, uh, in in uh, Jim Melton's lab, and so I kind of saw the model he was doing in combination with interventional cardiology uh, with Dr. Schmidt, and then uh, Melton, and then and then interventional biology. And He was just coming on at the time, so it was an interesting model. I'm like, wow, this. I saw how just from a skill set perspective, they they had very right. complementary skill sets, and how that that really really worked well. And so that was another piece of the of the puzzle, I guess, in my thinking. Um, these little things that kind of open up our minds to to what's possible, not only possible, yeah. but what's maybe ideal. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So that happened that happened early on and was kind of just another seed, I think, sitting there waiting to sprout.
1: Kind of planted that seed. Um on the on the flip side, did you consult vascular surgery colleagues and get sort of negative feedback or why would you do that sort of answer?
0: I guess we can start to talk about that. You know, I think within both fields, there's a cats and dogs type of thing, right? And, and interventional cardiology included in that, right? There's, there's, I think every field vascular, IR and IC, we've all got our, our pros and cons and we all have our, our classic thinking in each one, right? I mean, vascular surgeons can, you know, there, there's a huge cohort. I call it of curmudgeonry. Um, it's my term and I'll put that on myself for using that term. They're, they're awesome colleagues that mean really well but they're thinking 20 years in the past, you know, and that's, that's a real thing. I think as younger generations come up, that's one thing, but also what's really sad to me is to see young vascular surgeons getting infected with that type of thinking and it's still going on. And so that's why I think, you know, things like this podcast are really important. So yeah, when I, you know, when Neil, uh, Neil and I were talking about this and then things started, I mean, we came together and things started happening, you know, I, I, believe in being consistent with my, with myself and everything in all my relationships. So yeah, I talked to people about it and, um, people on this, you know, a lot of people were supportive and said, man, that's fantastic. And we're authentic in that. Some people are like, oh, I know that sounds great. And you could tell it sounded great, but it was a social grade, you know, and that happened to be a couple of those classic guys, but you know, that's, 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 uh, this is what's required, you know, to to really shift things meaningfully. And and now where, where we're at right now, there's so much strength and momentum to what we're doing we're getting excited about, about becoming more, more vocal about the model and, and, um, the benefits that come from it, which, which we'll get into a little bit more, but, um, yeah, I think, I think that's a, it's a big thing. I know, you know, I'm sure, Neil he can talk to you about, about, uh, his side of the fence.
3: Yeah. I mean, there's that prejudice, you know, that comes from training or even earlier, uh, when you go out into the field and, um, you start to, it's, it's hard to shake that off, I think, you know, and, uh, the perfect example of that is when we, me and Chad joined up. I started here. You know, we take call, and at that point, we're so busy, we didn't really set like a proper call. It was just like we were both on call all the time for our respective specialties. But there's a lot of crossover, whether it be PE or, and then uh, you know, there was a GI bleed, and Chad's like, "Oh yeah, you know, I, you know, taking care of GI bleeds," and you're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, hold on, vascular surgeon take care of GI bleed." But I mean, that is, I mean, the <laughs> endovascular uh, prowess that, you know, he has, you, you have to kind of, that prejudice has to go away very quickly. And I think that's the problem is that there's just not enough cross specialty exposure. And so you leave, it, uh, you start practice into thinking that you're the only one who can do this. You know, I are so special and we are special. We're an incredible field. We, we are pushing the limits with technology and, and with everything else we're doing as far as oncology goes and a lot of embolization stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, the basis of what we do is, is uh, endo and, um, and vascular. And uh, we have to understand that there's other people out there who are extremely talented, whether it be IC or vascular. And just another anecdote, I, before I moved here, I had a really great case uh, in Chicago where there was a, a fail, you know, I think it was a popliteal artery occlusion. And uh, the patient went to, you know, a big university and they couldn't recan it. There was actually a piece of wire still in the pop. Uh, in in the subanimal space that they broke off, and so the guy I mean was going to lose his leg otherwise. So you know, I was um talking to Chad a, a couple of days before that case, and he had mentioned to me that he uses a stiff glide for a lot of his uh recants and, and procedures. And and where I trained in IR, it was like unless you're doing the sharp recant Venus or something, you're just not using the stiff glide in the arterial system. And so I'm in that case, and I, I tell my tech, you know, we tried every wire we had. I just I was dedicated to getting through the occlusion i said give me a give me an 035 stiff glide and they're like what are you talking about like you haven't called for that wire in years and uh and i got through the lesion and and it was a successful case and so i mean it really is one of those things where i as soon as i got here i said i'm going to learn as much as i can from him as well and uh luckily he's willing to teach as much as he can as well and there's just all egos were aside. And so the key point is when, you know, if there's any people here who are in training or going to be graduating or early in their careers is leave your ego at the door. Um, You know, if you're putting patients first, everyone around you becomes someone you can learn from to help that patient. And uh, the whole like different specialty thing and turf war, yeah, there's a lot of economics involved. There's a lot of regional battles involved, but there's also a lot of history to that too. I mean, you go to places where cardiology's been doing peripheral vascular disease for the last 20 years and that's just how it is. Um, so I understand there's those kind of uh, regional cultural, historical kind of deep- rooted systems in place but I think just going in without an ego and, and being collaborative um, and learning from everyone is pretty much the way to go and this was a perfect example of that. I've become you know so much better as a physician for having chat around uh, to to help me with with a lot of stuff so, all in all, though, I, I didn't get any pushback from any IRs that I, I talked to you about this. I mean, even at, at VIR in Chicago, we we considered hiring a vascular surgeon. So, I mean, the thought is out there. I just think people are worried or they're scared of the complexities and they're worried about failure and, and the optics of it all. But um, hopefully this this episode will encourage people to, to re-look into this and, and understand that this is pretty much the way to go. Uh, I think power in numbers and... Um, you know, there's really nothing we can't tackle with the two specialties together.
1: I love these multi-specialty conferences because, you know, for this very reasons you were just talking about, Neil, is just the collaborative approach to it, you know, whether it be AMP or ISET or, I mean, I don't do a lot of, I don't do any PAD anymore, but, you know, even OEIS, just, you know, being able to hang out with cardiologists and vascular surgeons and realize we have all this common ground is really nice. But I was talking to Jim about, you know this whole like fear of of like something being stolen, right? Um, when when a vascular surgeon and a whether it be IR or cardiologist when they join up, that somebody's gonna teach somebody else some uh, a procedure. Let's say it's UFIs, right? And that that vascular surgeon gonna run off and steal all those cases. It just to me it sounds crazy, but it's like I hear people saying these things out there. And so, have you guys ever heard or seen anything like this happen, or was this ever like a fear for either of you? Let's start with you, Chad.
0: Yeah, I think, um, you know, for, for for vascular guys, you know, like peripheral vascular is like our, that's our baby, right? And so, we don't want anybody touching peripheral. We can do the whole thing, right? We can do surgery, we can do end we can do uh, endovascular. It, you know, and so, that that's a big thing, I think, collaborating with, with other specialists, especially interventionalists, ICs and IRs about really thinking about all of our tips and tricks and really going deep into that, that space. I think there's a, there's a very much a protectionist thinking there. And that goes back to old turf battles. I think the real thing here that I would say is, you know, ego is the enemy in your life, but also particularly in, in professional practice. I think in our field, you know, the, the enemy isn't our other specialty colleagues. It's, it's the disease process. And frankly, I think it's you know, it's, it's a large health system and, and I call it the tyranny of hospital employment. And we can talk about that a little bit too, but as physicians, I think we've surrendered a lot of our power and we oftentimes divide against, against ourselves. And so staying in our lanes of ICIR and va- vascular is just very unhealthy and very not unproductive for serving our communities, for serving our patients, and frankly, for serving our profession. And so the, the better ways that we can align is really critical. And so I think you know the crux of this is it's the turf battles and the business wars right we we all want to have our our areas and just call it the girl in the in the corners you know we all want to um you know maintain our our practice and and it comes down to economics and i think that's where when you can find a model where we're all on the same team and we all benefit then you can say oh yeah what's right for our patients our community is right for us economically as well is right for us in our skill set and our skill level and that's what we have in our practice. So when it comes back to teaching other types of procedures, like I want Neil to be a stinking vascular ninja that outshines me. And he wants me to be competent in some of those advanced um, EMBO skills and whatnot, you know, for that situation to, to understand it when a patient calls in after hours, you know, and I happen to get the phone call or when I'm in a situation when I need to, you know, perform when he's, when he, when he's out of town. Uh, we had a situation like that, <laughs> right? Right after uh, he came to town, I I promptly um, went out of a, went on a long weekend vacation with my family to San Diego. I think I was talking at a, at, at a, a meeting. I think it might have been the SVS out there. And so I'm on the actually the 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 deck of the uh, um, USS Midway touring that with my family. Neil calls and says, "Hey, I've got a stab wound. A gal from a meat processing plant put a knife right through her SFA." <laughs> And, uh, you know, she wasn't bleeding out. It was kind of like a on it and he's like, yeah, it's included. I said, well, I said, can you get a wire across and throw a vibe on in there? And, um, we just, he called quick and I answered and, and we chatted about it. Pop out about the case. And yeah, he called back uh, a few minutes later. I said, yeah, got it. Was able to wire it and, uh, hopefully he used a glide <laughs> <guy. laughs> But that's sorry. But, uh, uh, at any rate, got across it. Did it have a successful thing, successful outcome. You know and then and then uh let the let, let the guy recover we came back and i ended up you know revising it um with, with an open procedure she was a young gal i think in her, in her early 30s so it was a it was, again it's a, it a awesome successful collaboration but i think that's the big thing is we, we need to start aligning as physicians and make physicians our common our common uh denominator so for me you know when i hear of like other specialties you know, as vascular surgeons say dabbling, you know, we see all those these dabblers out there, there's the the drive-by renal stenting by cardiologists, there's the, you know, dabblers, and they just want to do procedures. So that's the thinking, I think, along a lot, a lot of vascular surgeons. But I say, you know, if you have a physician who's really dedicating themselves to that disease process, meaning they're doing the heavy lifting, they're doing the clinic, they're uh, seeing the consults, they're seeing that patient follow-up, they're really committing themselves to the entire disease process. And they really they they really give a hoot. They really are digging in about this and really committing themselves to this disease process completely, not just the procedures and trying to wring the till, so to speak, but they're really dedicating themselves and their practices to it. Okay. Welcome to the community. And I think that's, you know, you'd mentioned the OIS, um, I was just out there at the, at the recent meeting in Vegas and it's a great example. You know, I found myself uh, on stage doing a session with Craig Walker, who's an interventional cardiologist from the South. Uh, A lot of people know him and and Brett Oikman, uh, uh, the current president, and we were talking, you know, about economics of outpatient oh, care and whatnot. And there we are, three specialties, all collaborating, all giving our best knowledge. And so that's that's what it should be. You know, I just remember being up there and just like around saying, man, this is fantastic. And that's where we're at in 2022, and that's what we need to continue to put our efforts and our and our energy into, because I think that's how we overcome you know, a, a lot of things and, you know, from economic challenges to, to just, um, you know, the shifting sands of healthcare. So.
1: Agreed. Neil, I wanted to, you to kind of touch on that, um, coming from a highly academic center, a metropolitan area like Chicago with a lot of competition. Did you hear, have you heard any of the, that sentiment, like coming out of training and stuff?
3: Yeah, I think people are so-called bruised, uh, in our, in interventional radiology just from the past. I mean, in the nineties, you know, cross-sectional imaging was, Drawing so much revenue, uh, how many IRs at that time were getting out of their chair to go see twenty-five patients in clinic? Which is my average weekly clinic load zero. I mean, there was just no no reason to do that, and we lost so much ground uh, to cardiology. You know, when it came to endovascular stuff and being true clinicians, so we're we're recovering from that. That we're not technicians; we're clinicians, and. Uh, I echo exactly what Chad said is that, you know, he's supportive that if I'm going to do PVD alongside him, that, you know, I'm also involved with wound care. I'm also involved with, you know, managing the patient's anticoagulations. I'm involved with, with you know, honing in my my clinical acumen uh, to become a provider for peripheral vascular disease from top to bottom. And now everyone's saying, well, what if, uh, you know, Chad wants to do fibroids? Well, if, if Chad is, is going to see the patient in clinic and know the ins and outs of fibroid disease and, and uh, collaborating with OBGYN and, and know the me- medical treatments and the options and all the data on myomectomy. I mean, he can, I don't need to teach him that. He's h- hyper capable of doing that and learning that and doing those procedures. Uh, just how I can go ahead and do, uh, you know, uh, biliary endoscopy and stones. Um, any IRF there can go ahead and start doing uh, renal stones if they want, Right. So we can all like learn this stuff and do it, but then you better own the whole process. You, but you have to, you know, and that's why I don't think this is as big as the fear as is making it out to be. Um, because you can't just go in and embolize a prostate and not see the patient before and see them weeks after you can't, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be somebody out there who does do that, but that's going to be a very, very small number and they're not going to be successful. So, uh, in all, I'm not, really fearful of it i think people kind of talk about it because it's a little it's a polarizing topic it's it's kind of like you know a little bit of fear-mongering that that's going to happen and i think that ir had a bad past with losing respect and uh, and losing uh, which we have gained back i think a lot of that respect in the community in the medical community you know coming out here there's been there wasn't a week that went by for the first year where you know i wasn't the hero of the day and it was so rewarding just because you know this this area didn't have uh, access to good IR, so you know we have a lot to celebrate. I think as a specialty, and I think that we should just quiet down all the talk about uh, losing that edge and just collaborating, collaborating, and moving forward together. And that that's the the main concept.
1: Yeah, I mean along those lines, Neil. Um, you know, you look at what like Sonny Bagler's doing with your with you know PAE, the prostate centers teaming up with urologists. It's a similar concept, right? Just focusing on the disease process, focusing on patient care. Backing that up with you know knowing the data because when you're having these conversations with colleagues if you de- if you show mastery in the disease process, then people are going to want to collaborate with you or at least they should right and so uh, Ch- Chad, you mentioned you write at OEIS. another plug for I'm sure Brett's going to appreciate all these plugs another plug for Oias, um, but uh, did you talk to anybody else when you were there about your practice with Neil and is did you meet anybody else who is maybe thinking about doing something similar, or was intrigued by by your, prac, your practice style?
0: Yeah, I had a lot of uh, side conversations with you know a variety of guys that came up that were that were doing this, and I saw I saw a n- number of guys that just happened to talk to were more you know onesies and twosies trying to step out and, and just move from a hospital employed model to the outpatient model. That's probably the biggest type of conversation that I had, as opposed to really focusing and partnering across specialty. But um, I think the guys that I talked to, there was a couple of IRs, a couple of VSs and a couple of ICs. So, you know, I'm like, this is, it's the, the, all the, all the ingredients to are there. You know, I think the big thing is, is just, it's market to market and seeing what, you know, how can you align, what alignment makes sense in the local markets. And I think that comes back to not having an ego, having eco respect, you know, cause in your mind, you might even be thinking, well, yeah, I'll partner with somebody, but I think, you know, I should make more, I should have this. No. How can you really partner in a way that makes sense and put everybody on the equal page? That's called that's called respect. You know, and that starts with 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 that 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 checking the ego at the door, like Neil said. I think really the thing that sets us apart if guys are thinking about this, um, regardless of their specialty, is is what, what Neil alluded to too, is clinical excellence. Like I think our advantage is, is we are, I mean, I'll say it unabashedly, we're really good at what we do. And we're really good at what we do because we really care and we really want to, you know, put that patient first and have that outcome. And when we're driven for that and we're driven for, you know, we don't have nothing dropping off the table when it comes to our patients and our care. So yeah, I mean, if, if, if I'm going to do uterine fibroid treatments, well, I better know it inside and out. And if I'm not where I need to be clinically or something, well, I better get there, you know, and same thing. It's, it's, it's just that, that drive for excellence, um, for, for the right reasons, you know, it's not so we can. Uh, be successful economically or or dominate, you know, our region, you know, or any of these types of things. It's it's so that we can really truly elevate care and really be good at what we do uh, for the benefit of the patient. I think if that's your Northern star, I think you can you can come together and, and you can check your ego enough, regardless of your market and what's going on, you can just stop and you, and you can say, well, I wouldn't work in my market to have a combined practice because of this reason or that reason or this entrenched group, or these guys have always, quote unquote, done this type of, uh, of care. Pump the brakes and just say, how can this work? If I were to sit there and imagine a situation that would excite me and would probably excite, you know, the other side, or you, how, what would that look like? And just, and just get your mind working in that way for a while, because I, I bet there's going to be a way where physicians can come together to benefit pay care in, in the community. And when you start thinking along those lines, I think that's when solutions start to come as far as how you can align motivations, align on the business front and really start to experience the type of synergies that that Neil and I have. Yeah.
1: I wonder, one of the other sort of, I guess, hindrances or the resistance to, you know, people, A, going out on their own, leaving their DR group is hospital privileges, right? Did you guys have any challenges with that, with uh, Chad, with like trying to get Neil? I mean, was there a local radiology group that was like... No, we're not going to let you get in. Uh, did you guys have any issues with that?
0: That's one thing that I was able to broker before Neil came. Is at, we have we have two hospitals, two medium sized hospitals in town, and with different that are connected to different systems. And so immediately we kind of became the group at one and and got privileges at the other because there was no dominant large reading group. In fact, there was a, a the reading contract was changing at one, and that's where I kind of stepped in and was able to broker. Uh, a deal, so to speak, where I knew a reading group that would that would be collaborative and wouldn't try and block out IR privileges. Um, so that's where I kind of stepped up and used my um, p- position, if you will, to kind of to kind of broker that. But yeah, that could be a problem. We see that in other markets, like Omaha. There's there's you know large uh, reading groups that that pretty much block anybody from getting privileges, and that can be a problem in certain markets. Which that's that's a that's an interesting thing of you know, the history of of diagnostic radiology groups combined with IR groups and that's something I I didn't have a ton of awareness before before talking with Neil about it you know and and seeing kind of what the history on that is and how that can be a big big block to IRs I think um practicing more fully
3: yeah I mean we we're lucky that we didn't have that issue but I mean I read SIR connect every morning um so you know you see that just over and over and over again and uh DR and IR have to split you know it's just, it's, it's a different specialty. We all know that at this point, but the more IRs out there who do team up with VS, I mean, the privileges will slowly change over time. I think hospitals will realize, you know, um, I cover vascular call, for example. So, I mean, what does that have to do with, with IR as a whole? And so the hospital has to start seeing this, um, from that perspective. And I'm sure there's some legality to it too, eventually that we are a different specialty. So we can't be held. To the same kind of chains of dr that we have been for so many years um so hopefully that changes soon
1: yeah i mean i like honestly seeing what you guys are doing and what you know jim and and blake and a few others like i mentioned krishna manova who's in columbus who i know is looking at hiring an ir um franklin yao down here in dallas also looking at these options because uh, you know he he runs an obl and he's. He's out there on his own, and he really sees the complementary opportunities. And um, so, I do think that this is the future of the end of Vassar specialties, just because these partner these IRDR groups just get bigger, right? And it's it's predominantly it's like ninety percent DRs in the group, and so you have very little say as an IR. Uh, and they and so we just end up being unhappy and then bouncing around jobs, and some end up in academics so they can do 100% IR. S- some end up in less than ideal OBL settings, you know, that are less than uh, that, uh, so just so they can be hundred percent IR, but really having your own practice that auto- the autonomy that comes with it, the potential for learning, which you guys have already talked about is huge as well, uh, in, in private practice. And so I just feel like this is the future of endovascular. Um, but you know, kind of before we, as we start wrapping up, anything you guys have to add to that in terms of the outlook on, on more collaborative practice, Neil, I'll start with you.
3: Sure. So one thing to put out there, I mean, there's no doubt that the stars were perfectly aligned for our situation. And I think that every different marketing group and part of the country is going to have uh, different challenges with accomplishing what we have. Uh, but a few of those things that, um, that worked for us is number one, for anyone out there who's also listening and thinking about this as well just don't become a cog in the a cog on the wheel uh become the wheel our value as interventional radiologists uh have to go far beyond you know being available for a thorough Para. um you know establishing yourself in the hospital which as much as we do have an office-based lab and we're very efficient and productive and provide uh, world-class care there uh it's as important to me to also be providing uh, exceptional care of the hospital, you know, built the Y90 program. Um, the first month I was here, the amount of paracentesis I was doing, uh, with patients who hadn't been, uh, optimizing their diuretics, been worked up, had a, you know, haven't had their portal, uh, gradient, uh, calculated was, uh, uh, astonishing. And, uh, so, you know, we did five tips in the first, you know, three or four months and, you know, talking to the staff, they're like, oh, we haven't seen one of these in, in a decade or ever. So um, you know the support I had from Chad to make sure that interventional interventional radiology was um, being properly deployed in the hospital, uh, starting a Y ninety program, going to tumor board, all that was there. It was it was uh, it was the support was there uh, to do that. So um, basically, though our stars were aligned in the sense that we had a need and I had a supportive partner, and uh, I think the specialties aside, that's that's really really important moving forward. Our practice name is Vascular and Interventional Specialist of Siouxland. And I think that term embodies uh, what it should be moving forward in the future is is minimally invasive procedures with better outcomes, lower cost, uh, technology driven. And um, that's it. It doesn't matter what your specialty is. If you're providing those things and you're doing it perfectly or you're doing it as best as you can and you're you're putting your blood, sweat and tears into it uh, you're going to have good outcomes. You're going to have great patient results. You're going to be, um, changing, uh, communities and populations. Um, I think it's worth noting that our amputation rate in the Suen community, which is, you know, 180,000 people with a 80 mile radius is near, um, zero. I think Chad, you can attest to that. And
0: yeah, it's, but we, we've made a huge impact in our community, I think, which has been really satisfying. You know, I think you know, the, the future, there's a huge opportunity, I think, for physicians to move from a empl- hospital employed model back to um, a private practice model where we have the decision making in our hands as far as patient care and as far as uh, um, how our lives look. I think that dovetails very, very nicely with having a combined vascular interventional radiology and or interventional cardiology practice. And I think there's a huge opportunity in secondary markets. You know, we talk about the big cities and things can be really entrenched with tons of history there. I'll tell you, a lot of people, even more so post-COVID, are living in what we call secondary markets. You know, it's markets, say, of a main town of anywhere from twenty-five to 100,000, maybe 150,000 people. And there's a huge need out there. And we look at these human lives that are out here and, and oftentimes the demographics in those areas overall really support a need for our specialties. And so, you know, I have a vision of, Uh, And we've talked about this a lot internally and and are making good progress about, you know, pairing specialists of any specialty, IC, IR, or vascular, you know, having them come in and maybe do a a master's course with us for a short period of time, you know, one to three months, really get down what we do and see it and scrub with us even. And then being able to launch them in a secondary market, you know, and and being able to pair a, a proper specialist with a proper market. But then also that market, just like our market has benefited tremendously by bringing in you know, world class IR talent with Dr. Karana and 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 you know having my uh, curmudgeonry hands working away, but putting us you know using this model and and you know maybe a certain town may have a huge need for IC and vascular, or hey, huge need for IR and IC, and we can in we can kind of make those matches. You know, maybe onesies, maybe twosies, maybe threesies in these communities. And I think if we really want to shift things, you know, nationally in a meaningful fashion, I think that's a great way to do it. So. We're, we're looking at, at doing something like that and using our practice as, you know, a base to do that with, um, you know, call it a master's course in outpatient care, but with that collaborative ethos, I think that's a huge way to serve our, serve our, our country, serve our patients, you know, in that. So that's exciting to me, because I think it's a very practical way to do that. And, you know, our, our practice is, in, is vascular interventional specialists. And I think that's really, it's, it's what we are and it's what we represent. It's how we practice. And we're going to be launching our new site, vascularcare.com here um in August or where it's going to be a we want it to be a huge uh combined uh site that has you know all things vascular all things IR on it uh, as a resource for our patients and for us but it's um you know we're excited about taking more steps into this into this uh a combined practice collaborative practice model and then finding a, a practical way to really encourage that and and, and multiply that
1: Chad, yeah, that's a great idea I love that sort of micro training one to three months you know, well, would those people take call with you guys? Would that be like almost like a mini? It's like a master's course, or like kind of mini fellowship, right?
0: Right. I mean, you don't you almost don't want to use right. the word fellowship because we're you know we'd be looking for guys that would been out for you know a couple of years probably to whenever. So they're they're going to be much more probably experienced guys. You know, so a call them more of a master's course. But you're right. Yeah, bring them in and and hey guys, come and see what you know what we do. And and it's a short period of time. I mean, you could probably even offer a, a, a stipend if guys needed that. And and really grease the skits to get them here and really get them connected, really get their hands, uh, I was going to say dirty, but it's more like bloody in our field. (laughs) I'll tell you what, because there's a lot of people, and
1: and you're right, Chad, I think the pendulum swinging uh, back, you know, it went to employee because people were just, you know, wanted to just get a job. And then now people want that autonomy back and it's swinging to where you hear about more and more people going out, opening up their own outpatient practice, whether it be OBO, ESC, whatnot, but at least opening up their own practice. And regardless of the money, it's all about I think just autonomy and better patient care, right? Absolutely. Um, Having the ability to make those decisions for your patients, having the ability to decide what devices you're going to use for your patients. Absolutely. I mean, it it drives me crazy being in the hospital, and they're just like, "Nope, this is what we got. It's the cheapest device on the market," and you're like, "This is garbage. This is this is not good. This is bad patient care." You know, Uh, and that's where they're headed. Hundred
0: percent. It's crazy. Like we go to the hospital and to jump in on that. I mean, we, you know, we even have a lot of people that say, well, we can use what we use, but there's so many times that if, if you want the 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 most current technology the, in any product, I mean, from superior stents to a certain atherectomy device to drug coated balloons, we use those all in our outpatient center, you know, and we, we, we use what we know works and we practice, I said, we practice to our professional conscience and it's no, there's no other place where all things align. If you want, amazing patient outcomes uh, and improved patient experience, patient reviews and their experience is off the chart. You want to have, you know, professional uh, practice to your professional conscience. Oh yeah. And your staff are super happy and have, have stepped out of their burnout situations that they're working in. You know, if the Physician Matters, our lives are amazing uh, as far as that burnout aspect and, um, and care. is like all things align. You know, and it's a phenomenal model, that outpatient model. So
3: that's why, that's, that's a big reason why we're so excited about it too. Yeah, we could probably do a whole episode on that, which I know, Aaron, you've definitely covered OBLs and and the freedom and the autonomy and the, 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 the better patient care. Uh, we could talk about that for hours, but uh, it's, I'll, I'll, when I first came here, that was the biggest thing for me was, Oh my gosh you guys have a penumbra sitting in the corner uh well yeah if you're doing angiograms all day you better have one in case something goes wrong and there should right. be no fear of opening that up or an outback or whatever you need to get the case done and make sure it's successful uh it was a really a a, a relief to be in that situation so
1: well there's there's so many micro topics within the obl topic right i mean the staffing the basically every there's so many decisions that you have to make as a business owner i mean just the whole business aspect of it is a is a zillion micro topics you know so we will be covering this yeah you know for as long as back table exists pro- most likely chad i didn't mean to cut you off there
0: no i think the i think you hit the nail on the head that's why you know like a master's course makes the most sense like you have to have the proper clinical decision making algorithms like we've talked about here you know that clinic side you have to have the proper procedural decision making algorithms. How do you get cases done effectively, efficiently, really well, not just crossing leads, but crossing it well and crossing it time efficiently. And then really debulking that plaque, you know, just the, the procedural decision-making algorithms are great. You know, when did, when did apply pedal access, et cetera, et cetera. But then you also have to have the technical skill to back that up, right? You can't fake any one of these pieces and you got to have the complete package. But then also you need the clinic operations ability and understanding. You need the procedure center operations and management understanding. You need revenue cycle understanding? How, how does the revenue cycle work specific to our outpatient model? And then I I feel you need mindset as well. Like what are the weeds that a lot of guys have in their minds that are going to, you know, cut their success off at the knees? Let's talk about those things. So I'd envision having, you know, a, 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 what we're putting together is even a didactic courses on each four of those topics that can go, that go along with our, our our clinical, you know, scrubbing in and doing the clinical work too. I mean, it's really exciting, I think, to, to really give guys like what's the secret sauce on on the on the business, yeah. so to speak.
1: Well, and and a lot of guys who are, you know, thinking about doing this, they're plant they're in the planning stage. They have time on their hands to go do a math like one to three months, right? They whether they're breaking ground, their OBL is being built, they might do some locums on the side to keep their skills up. But this actually sounds better because then you could just it's peace of mind. I'm just gonna go learn it from you guys, you know, whether it be the, wherever my weak points are, right. whether it be PAD, you know, Y90, whatever I can focus, PAE, I can zero in on that when I'm with you guys for those three months and really get those reps in. Right. Absolutely, so I, I love that
0: idea. Yeah. Come get, come get 15 angios a week, you know, 15 and real, real stinking complete SFA occlusions, you know, uh, iliac occlusions with SFA get you know uh 10 pedal accesses in a week you know and that, let's let's do this let's let's get let's get you there <laughs> let's get you there fast you
1: know and get familiar with those complications and how to deal with them and mm-hmm. i mean i cuz i was in the obl setting briefly and and uh the people i had teamed up with were oblivious to all of that stuff and that's that's why we failed i mean partly my you know ignorance but but theirs as well on the business side and um you know to to have a resource like that would be amazing where i would just be like I'm going to go do this for three months, guys, so that I know everything I know so that we have a better chance of success. Because you guys know there's a lot There's a lot that goes into uh, not just elbow grease, but just the knowledge that goes into being successful. But guys, we're at the hour. Anything else before, any final words before we finish up? Neil, Chad?
3: Just a big thanks to you, Aaron. I mean, just to focus on these topics that are somewhat you know, non-clinical, but they're absolutely crucial to um, patient care and for our, our su- success as a specialty. I know you guys are an interventional radiology um, show, but, uh, you know, I know you do put in a lot of effort to keep these going. So thanks a lot. And uh, again, just, I'm going to say it out here. Thanks to Chad. And this has been an amazing opportunity for the last couple of years. And I think we're going to be uh, here for a long, long time, making uh, big things happen. Yeah, I'd, I'd echo what Neil says too, just thanks for having us, Aaron, really
0: appreciate it. You know, we, 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 Neil and I tend to be doers and we've been in our foxholes, as I say. So it's, it's good to, I almost feel a responsibility to, to get out there and start giving back, uh, again and, and do that in a greater fashion. I mean, you've been doing it with, with your show and your content and and bringing light on a lot of these issues and bringing guys together. So, uh, really grateful, uh, to having us on again, super grateful for Neil and for, for what we're able to do here in our local and our re or local region. So. I uh, just really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, and Neil it's funny cuz you mentioned the the name of the practice was Vascular and Interventional Specialist and we we because we started out as a IR show and we're still heavily weighted towards IR but I'm trying to get more vascular surgeons and cardiologists on and because of that we changed our name from back table to it was now it's back table vascular and interventional or the VI show. And because I wanted you know I wanted it to be more of a collaborative covering all things vascular all things interventional and you know learn from each other and so uh i I think that that's uh it just kind of mirrored what 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 we had in mind when we kind of changed our branding a little bit so appreciate you guys and hopefully we can this isn't the last time we have you on hopefully we'll be uh talking about this these micro training these uh core these uh master classes uh next time definitely awesome thanks aaron all right thanks guys Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe, rate the podcast five stars, and share with a friend. If you have any questions or comments, direct message us at at underscore backtable on Instagram, Twitter, or LinkedIn. Backtable is produced and hosted by myself, Aaron Fritz, and co-hosts, Chris Beck,
0: Sabine Dond, Michael Barraza,
2: and Ali Behetti.
0: Our audio team lead is Karen Gannon. With support from Caleb Hodson, Josh McWhirter, and Ness Smith-Savadoff. Design and digital marketing led by Brian Schmitz.
2: Article and transcript support by Taylor Robinson. And Delaney Aguilar.
0: Social media and PR by Ann Dang.
2: Intro and extra music is Ripperoo by Skeptic Moon. Find us on Spotify or at local live music venues in New Orleans, Louisiana.
1: Thanks again for listening and see you next week.